Are you tired of playing a part and being pressured to be someone that you're not, either by your own self or by people around you? Well, my guest on Your Story with Melinda, Allison Allen, totally understands that because she was a Broadway actor and made a career of being somebody else. So she shares with me today on how to shine, how to live the life that Christ intended for you, and how to step courageously into that role that you were specifically and uniquely made for. There's lots of laughter, a lot of connection, and we encourage women and men to be the beloved daughter to believe that God loves us for who we are. That's next on the show. Thank you so much for being on the show with me here on Your Story with Melinda, all the way from Franklin, Tennessee. Welcome. Yes, from the deep wilds of the (laughs) South. Yeah, I'm so excited to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Amazing. You know that your tagline, Allison, is you're a former professional actor who made a career of being someone else. That is strong and powerful because though I would have liked to be a professional actor... Um, I understand about that being someone else, especially being in media. Talk to me about that. I think, I mean, we're just going to dive in deep right from the beginning of the show. Yeah. Whoa, that's huge, Allison. Well, thank you. You know, I, I think when I really came back to Christ around about 19 years old, I was, I was at a conservatory. I was studying acting. I'd done acting all my life, and I would do it for many more years as a professional career. Mm-hmm. But there was this growing sense in my life that I had become a better actor off the stage than I ever had been on the stage. And I had this sense that that Christ wanted to do something about that, that that there was this sense that I had to perform, I had to play characters. I I would walk into the room, I think like most women, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of discern what kind of character I had to play, how I had to act, quote unquote, to be accepted. And there, was, there just came a point in my faith walk where I, I think Jesus put his finger on that bruise and said, you know, we've got to talk about this propensity that you have to never believe me enough to just be yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of where, that's kind of some of the heart of Shine, but it's also the heart of my, my faith journey with Jesus. So you're right, you've kind of put your finger right on the, the pulsing nerve of why I wrote the book and, and, the, and the work that God's done in my own life. You know, I think that, I mean, that whole idea of shine, and we were kind of joking before the show about how it's like this newsboy song, which um, I'm, I'm going to quickly look at the, <laughs> the words, but it was like that newsboy song back in, when was it, the 90s or 2000s, where it was like, shine, make them wonder what you've got, make them wish they were not on the outside looking bored, shine, let it shine before all men, let them see the good works, and then let them glorify the Lord. And that used to be like a tune we would sing about shine, Right. And it'd be like, shine, exactly. Right. But there was something to that, right? This it, it resonates with a lot of people, that word shine. Why do you think? What is it about, even when you say it, you smile. That's right. You can't help. I mean, I think it resonates in us because we're made for it. I think God's kind of woven it into our DNA. You know, you you think of how hooky that song was. I mean, we mm-hmm. can, you and I may not know the words, but totally know the rhythm and the melody. Right. And I think that something spiritually that's hooky about shining, because I, I think of Matthew 5.16, you know, that says, let your light so shine before men yeah. that they may see your good works and glorify your Father 
who's in heaven. And I've been just kind of ruminating on that idea. Maybe you, you, you feel me in this is that it's let your light so shine. Mm-hmm. So there's this sense, even in that scripture, that you and I have a choice about whether we, we shine or not. And and so I wrote the book because I realized there were so many um, just hurts and, and hangups and hurdles, so many reasons why I was terrified, frankly, not just a little bit afraid, but kind of terrified of stepping out and shining and, and, mm-hmm. and letting anyone that was watching see the good works that they might glorify my father who's in heaven. So I think it's hooky you know, in music. And I think it's hooky in our lives because I think God has has just woven it into the very fabric of who we are, that we're made to shine. And so when we're not doing that, there's that sense of I'm. this is not quite the full abundant mm-hmm. life that Christ made me for. And so I just wanted to help other women and men yeah. uh, start to step over some of those hurdles and get get to shining because you know it and I know it. We got one time around on this earth yeah. and I kind of want to get there worn out and spent for Jesus. And so for me, it was time. You know, Allison, why do you think for some people they, they're they too afraid to shine? I've had friends say, you know, I feel tarnished or I don't represent Jesus well or uh, I'm not an extrovert like you, Melinda. So shine doesn't resonate to me as it does for you. Why do you think that is? Oh, man, that is that's a that's a incredible question. It's kind of a tangled ball. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think many of us don't shine because if we ever were to step out into the glorious light of the children of God, I I think many of us are so terrified that it would be our weakness that is kind of the strongest presence in the room. I mean, that was certainly my Mm. story. I have a a bit of a backstory of running into, you know, serious cases of mean here and there and some really significant bullying events in my growing up years. And so I always had a sense, I could never really shine in my real life. I could kind of figure out how to shine on stage because I was playing a character. I wasn't really being myself, but shining in my actual life was this terrifying proposition because I felt like if I did, I would be humiliated or it would be my weakness that, that was, you know, again, the largest thing that anyone could see. And I've kind of what the Lord has done in my life that is is really neat to me is that instead of running from that sense of weakness, I've kind of leaned into it, if that makes sense. And I've, I've looked at the scripture and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus, your word says something very audacious. Your word says, when you're talking to Paul, you say, you know what? My strength is made perfect in weakness. And although we can all quote that scripture, because we've probably heard a million sermons mm-hmm. on it, it's much harder to live that scripture. Yes. Because what God is saying is there's this odd and unique place that my strength comes to bear, and it's not actually in your strength. It's in your weakness. And so I, I'm learning what it means to actually believe that God makes far more use of our consecrated weaknesses mm-hmm. than he ever makes perfected strengths. And if we could get a hold of that and go, you know what, I've got this weak place. I I, I am an introvert or, you know, I'm an EI split, meaning I'm extroverted on stage, but I'm introverted in real life. So Mm -hmm. I really don't fit in, you know? (laughs) And and if I go, okay, God, here's my wacky places. Here's my wounds. Here's my wonder. Here's everything I am. And I'm just going to take the step to show up and shine it. I'm going to trust that something supernatural will happen because we're Mm -hmm. kind of talking about a supernatural intersection where his strength comes to bear. And then I think the world looks at that and goes, wait a minute, the the girl that wanted to disappear all her life Hmm. is standing in front of people declaring my glory in some small way through her own life. Like that's miraculous. And I think the world is waiting to see the sons and daughters of God rise and shine. And so that's 
you know, that's a part of that. That's a part of the answer to your question. Amen. I I love that. Now, you've come to this conclusion, but if we rewind back, let's talk about, you know, sort of this disconnect, Broadway, acting, and then real life. Because many people haven't or will never do what you have done and act. But like we said earlier in the show, we've all acted and are acting out in life. And I get that because, you know, as somebody in media and broadcast, as somebody who grew up as a missionary kid, pastor's kid, had to do the right thing, a, a, a lot of parts and seasons of my life were acting. And Allison, that's exhausting, right? Like I'm like constantly, I walk up, okay, who am I going to be? Okay, what group, how, what quippy, funny story will I say here? But one thoughtful, deep academia story will I say here? Exhausting, right? <laughs> exactly. And I think, I think we as women are pretty expert in that. I mean, we already wear a bunch of hats. Yeah. One of the the little metaphors that I use in the book that um, God really invested with spiritual meaning for me is that um, as actors, particularly as musical theater, as a musical theater performer, there was a a specific kind of shoe that um, I would perform in. And you, you know, you had your own set of these shoes and they're called character shoes. And what's kind of interesting about character shoes is that they're, I mean, they're totally boring. They're like an inch and a half. They're black or tan. They don't take away from any outfit that you happen to wear at the time and they're kind of they're meant to keep the show going Mm -hmm. and so like if you needed to be lady macbeth you could be lady macbeth in your character shoes if you uh needed to be sandy from greece you could be sandy in your character shoes and it was kind of this audacious thing when jesus started to say to me you sweetheart you live your whole life in character shoes doing exactly what you just talked about walking into the room and going i've got to be deep here Mm -hmm. i've got to be funny here Mm -hmm. i've got to be aloof here i've got to be engaged here and i i discovered i was kind of you know this embodiment of of a, a chick who performed for acceptance never realizing that I was already accepted in the beloved. Yeah. And um, that, that's been a pretty, that's been a pretty astonishing um, understanding that I've come to even in the last five years, even in my, you know, my, my mid forties, I'm still discovering, wow, Lord, there's still places. There's still places that I don't actually trust you enough mm-hmm. to be my consecrated self in God. I still feel like I have to put on the character shoes and act but, you know, bit by bit, you know, yeah. I think laying, uh, healing comes off in layers, kind of like I always joke that healing in my own life has been like Jesus peeling off the layers of an onion. Mm-hmm. He so rarely like chops the whole onion in half because I don't think we could handle it. But as we as we walk more deeply with him, it's like, OK, there's another layer yeah. and there's another layer. Mm-hmm. And I finally feel like, yeah, I, I'm becoming somebody that really lives like she's accepted in the beloved rather than just believing right. she's accepted in the beloved, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm here. it does. I'm living it out. But Allison, there's always that risk of being authentic and then being rejected, which I think is what keeps a lot of us women from fully being our true authentic self, uh, you know, you know, kind of embracing that belovedness of, you know, who we are in Christ. Speak to that because I know a ton of our viewers and listeners struggle with that. I, you know, I speak all across Canada. And when I meet with women after I speak for prayer, that's one of the biggest things like identity, self-worth, value, the struggle. And they're like, and I've been a Christian for like 10 years and I know the spirit of God is in me. And yet I still live under those oppressions of those lies, you know, how, how do we break through? Because like you just said, you and I, it's, it's an ongoing process, but what are some of the steps? What can we do to kind of like stop that tape recorder, you know, hounding us every day? 
Yeah, if I, I can, I want to just tell you this little story that that I think um, answers your question and then maybe make a, a point of application. About five years ago, I felt like the Lord led me into an exercise when I would speak on the road at churches. And basically, I shared a bit of my backstory, some of the things we've already talked about mm-hmm. in, in, in our time together. And, and I... I revealed to the women in the congregation, it was a large non-denom church in the north of you know, America here, and, and I revealed to them that even at pinnacle experiences like Broadway, even when I worked with women of faith for three years, even when I was teaching and walking through the doors that God was opening, I secretly believed that my, my name, my character name was rejected. And even at the height of, you know, going to Carnegie Mellon University, I'd have said, I'm Allison, you know, I'm Allison, but deep down where no one could see, I had taken on this false name, this false identity, and that name was rejected because it was the only way I could make my early life experiences make sense. I I started to believe, well, if I'm being rejected, then I must be rejected if that makes sense. That was the only way my young mind could could really codify and make sense of what was happening. So about five years ago, I started to do this exercise. I I named it the Great Exchange. I'm not probably the only one that's ever done something like this, but we passed out name tags and we showed them a movie called What's in a Name, which is of course from Romeo and Juliet. And I just asked them if they would follow the Holy Spirit and write down any false names that, that the Lord brought to them. And y'all, the things that were left, we, we had them come to the altar and exchange them for the names that God has for us, those kind of authentic, like you're talking mm-hmm. about, biblically based names. And what was left at the altar was astonishing. Mm-hmm. I, I told them to lay down the lie and pick up the truth. Ugh. And one of the things that's been so um, just powerful to my heart is that it's about 80 to 90% of every congregation, regardless of how long they've walked with Jesus, socioeconomics, racially, ethnically, it's such a deep thing inside of us, this false identity. So the first thing we've got to do is recognize it. And then we've got to begin to exchange it for God's truth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that that's just a beginning of an answer to your question, because I think that too is kind of an ongoing lifelong um, redemptive process. What are some of the painful things, Allison, that you've been through where you, you know, had to overcome? You'd mentioned earlier a little bit about mean and and sort of this bullying experiences, you know, you've been through. What are some of those painful experiences? Because I think we all have had them. But what I've seen that differentiates people that um, are living a life well and in that authentic space and not are the choices they make on how to deal with it and how to go forward and not be labeled by them. What what has happened to you? Well, I, I think as I've kind of talked about earlier, I because we moved around a good bit, my, my father was a, just a really gifted businessman, and so he was often brought in to kind of turn around companies, and so, um, and that and that's wonderful for many people. I'm, I'm still, I love to move, I love to travel, mm-hmm. that's in my DNA, that was a really positive thing, but because it set me up to often be the new girl, and, and I found um, social interaction as a young person a bit confusing. I don't know if any of your viewers ever feel this, but I think friendships with women can just sometimes be weird and kind of hard to understand. (laughs) And, you know, each town that you moved to, each high school that you went to or middle school or grade school had its own ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And you had to kind of discern very quickly what that system was. And when I kind of made decisions or chose friends that were outside of the herd, if that makes sense, it, it sets you up as being different. And so I think something that started out pretty innocently devolved pretty, pretty quickly into this 
soul marring verbal bullying. And then there were even some physical events that went along with it because um, I found in talking to women as they share their stories, like it, it doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how it starts. The enemy of our souls is never going to play fair. Mm-hmm. And so if he sees an opportunity, he's going to take that opportunity. And um, those those kinds of bullying experiences followed me uh, during seasons of my life all the way through high school. What was mm-hmm. odd about them and is a, perhaps a little bit different than maybe some people's bullying stories is I would also have seasons of what the world would call success. So I call it flip a coin living. Mm-hmm. Flip a coin today would be great. And you'd be getting the lead in the show or you'd be excelling in some way or making friends. That's great. Flip a coin tomorrow and you're completely confused at yeah. what you've run up against in the halls or you know in notes or in phone calls. And so for me, I developed something that I didn't know what it was until a counselor friend at Women of Faith said, um, Allison, do you do you realize how hypervigilant you are? Hmm. And I was like, no, what is what is hypervigilance? And she said, you you I watch you read the room at every moment. And that's so true. Like I can walk into a room and I can tell you at any given moment who's bored, who's engaged, who's got to go, who, who, who isn't really listening to what's going on. And I always thought that was a good thing. Mm -hmm. I always thought that was just my radar that made me perhaps be able to be an actor. But what I realized was that was formed out of deep brokenness because I didn't, I didn't grow up in a world that I could trust the way it works. And so what Jesus has had to do slowly, step by step, is go, look, Allison, you don't have to be your own Holy Spirit. (laughs) You you don't have to walk alongside yourself. Mm -hmm. I walk with you. And that sounds simple, but like I'm just learning these lessons pretty late in life that that I don't have to be my own Holy Spirit. I don't have to have my radars up and catching every little thing. I'm free Mm -hmm. in Christ to go, I'm just going to walk into the room. I'm going to sit here and I don't have to pick up everything that's going on. So um, that's, that's been really that's healing good. for me. I'm not alone. I'm yeah. not alone and, and neither is anybody watching right now. Yeah. You're not alone. You know, Allison, that's amazing because I think like how many women and men are just so exhausted with that, with like people yeah. pleasing. And like I said earlier, the managing and yet imagine where we, you know, as we're sharing, people are realizing, oh, I can just be me. If people don't like me, hey, listen, people don't like Jesus, you know, That's and people right. will accept you and people accepted Jesus. So, I mean, it, it, it kind of takes off the weight of having to be liked and loved by everybody, which really isn't realistic. Let's be, that's not realistic at all. It's a really no, bad, no, no. you know, expectation of the world for you to be liked by everybody, you know? So I right. think that, you know, I, I, oh, no, go ahead. Out. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you go ahead. No, I'm, just, I'm thinking... <laughs> You go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Um, I'm just so excited. I'm yeah. so excited. Um, I was just thinking about whenever you step out, especially in this world, now that anybody who clicks, clacks the keys can become a critic, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, oh. we can all be a critic if we make that choice. I think one of the things that the Lord's been ministering to my heart is like, you've got to understand that criticism, judgment, it's coming. Like the toothpaste is out of the tube, as my mm-hmm. husband says. So now what we can do as believers is go, well, how do we respond to it? Because there isn't any question that those kinds of things are coming. Yeah. But, but what we can control is how we respond. And um, I, I write about the book about the, the power of uh, critics and criticism whenever we kind of step out to shine and step into the story that Jesus is calling us to. And one of the things that, that, um, 
that happened for me. I was teaching creatives, creative leaders up in upstate New York. And we were having a Q&A session and it was kind of garden variety and boring, you know, not boring, but I mean, we were just asking, how do you get actors to show up on time? I was like, I don't know if you, <laughs> you find the secret, let me know, you know, those kinds of things. But, but this one gal, brave gal raised her hand and she said, she said, Allison, how do you do it? And it was just like the whole, I don't know, the Holy Spirit just descended. There was a, a special presence of Christ in the room. And I knew that she was saying, how do you do it and not lose your heart in the doing of it? In other words, how do you continue in this call to ministry when there is so much criticism and so much judgment? And I sat for a moment, not knowing how I was going to answer her. And all of a sudden this phrase leapt into my mind and I spat it out my mouth before I even knew what it meant. But I looked at her, I said, duck's back and lion's heart. Mm. And I thought, I have no idea where I'm going with this. And then <laughs> the Lord kind of downloaded me in that moment, you know, mm -hmm. no, we've got to decide beforehand what gets to stick to us. Yeah. We've got to have, you know, we've got to have that the feathers of a duck's back have been pre loaded with oil. And I think of the oil, of the Holy spirit, so that when those offenses come, they find nowhere to stick. And then I think we've got to pair that with a, a lion's heart. I love that. And that means we have to decide that the hearts of people are worth coming for. So that mm. might help your, your viewers, a, a duck's back and a lion's heart. It's a great way to deal with the criticism that inevitably comes. Yeah. My dad always used to say, Melinda, you know, a tough skin and a soft heart, because, love you know, that. especially when you're out there, you always want a soft heart so that you're never hardened to things and so that you're, you know, you're moldable and teachable and you're open to the, you know, spirit of God's leading. But tough skin because, man, I mean, being in television for nine years and then doing this, I mean, honestly, Allison, the things that have people have written to me about me and how I do things, it, it could shatter people and you would never want to go out of your house. And it's been brutal. And I've had, I've cried over things. I've been really hurt by what people have said about me. Now, if it's a character thing, you know, obviously, but on things like, you know, how I look or how I speak, those criticisms or different things, man, they can, they could take you out. But I think in my own journey of learning who's, who's I am and that I don't have to be this people pleaser because I know God loves me and the people that I've surrounded myself in community love me. Great. And, and I, as I've gotten older and even in my own 40s, I've kind of like this journey of learning about that has been a long, tenuous journey. But I feel a lot freer and more confident who I am now in, in, in that. And so I love that you're, you're with me on that, too, because it's nice to hear women yeah. who, who get that. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I do, too? And this is just something that's coming to me in the moment, hearing your story, because I can imagine mm -hmm. just um, because we're you know, again, anybody can be a critic at any moment. One of the things the Lord's been working out in my own heart is he keeps saying, just keep eternity in mind. Yeah. Keep eternity in mind. And, you know, I, I think my own mother passed away from pancreatic cancer 11 years ago. And one of the things she said to me, and I, I write about it in the book, she said, I could have done so much more with my life for Christ. And I really struggled with whether to, to share her words, but I realized that like mm. from where she sits right now, completely whole, she would want me to share those words with anybody that's, you know, listening to us right now. And I think 
I think what she was saying in that moment as eternity was approaching her, she was saying only what we do for Christ lasts. And so those critics and the, the snarky comments and the tweets and those kinds of things, they hurt. They're awful. I've got a, you know, I wish I had a thicker skin uh, toward criticism. I think that's why I write about it so much. But I, I always feel like God's going, hey, keep eternity in mind. Because when you see me face to face, it makes me want to cry. When you see me face to face, the fact that you dared to step into the story I was writing for your life and inhabit your role, that will be the only thing that will matter. And so sometimes we've just got to encourage ourselves with the hope of heaven and the reality that this is an eternal story. And those people don't get the right to write our story. That is powerful. And, you know, and it is. I mean, I've, you know, in my younger years, I let people speak and write for me. They were writing my next days. And, you know, that's part of learning and growing. I'm not the same woman that I was then to now because of some of the very painful things I've been through and allowing that. But, you know, when you make that choice, Allison, to be like, okay, I've had enough. I'm kind of like recalibrating. And I'm going to focus on this, man, you know, does God ever work? I, I've, in the last 10 years, when I've allowed God to work through very painful things in my life, man, it's been exciting. I mean, it's been hard, but it's been like, I could never have seen that I'd be in these places of influence if I'd done it on my own. Do you know what I'm saying? Like letting God do that. And I, I think I want, I want you to have the last words for the show because I think that's the whole idea and focus of your book, Shine, stepping into the role you were made for. Yeah. I just think hearing your words, it touches me so deeply because I just think at the end of the day, there's nothing more miraculous than a redeemed heart. Oh, there's nothing yes. more miraculous. Yes. There's nothing more miraculous than weakness picking up his strength and going, I'm going to step out and be a Matthew 5:16 person, no matter if my audience is one or 50,000, because I know that this story is important. And whether I say yes to God matters for all eternity. And so that's really the the heart of the book Shine. And it's kind of the heart of my own life. And very much like you, the Lord has graciously brought me to this place even in the last five years. And I go, God, you're you're so good. You never stop writing our stories. You never yes. stop inviting us to the adventure of faith. And so um anyway, it's 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 just been amazing to be with you today and feel kind of a kindred yes. kindred spirit across <laughs> yeah, and I'm excited for your story to continue to see where God is going to lead you and where he is going to and how he's going to write your story next chapters. That's my big thing. When I go and speak, Allison, it's always about story. I'm a storyteller, but I'm always about your next chapter, your story, which really I've, I've said this so many times. It's not my story. It's his story and just me in it for this beautiful ride. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it. You should write a yeah. <laughs> I know. You know what? Everybody says yeah. so. I think that's there. But um, Allison, where can we pick up your books? I know that our viewers and listeners are going to want to get this book so that they can be encouraged in their life story as well. Yeah, all the usual suspects. So they can they can find it at Amazon.com and uh, Books a Million, Barnes and Nobles. And I think all the uh, Lifeways are carrying them as well. And if they don't have any luck there, they could always go to AllisonAllen.net. And uh, there are lots of links to find Shine hither, yither, and yon. <laughs> all right, perfect. Allison, Allen, thank you so much for being on Your Story with Melinda. Um, all the best as God continues to write your story and so excited for your next chapter ahead. Thank you. Well, 
Well, that's all the time we have this week, and hopefully you liked it. I know I'd hit that thumbs up button if I were you. You can also leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, and it helps the show reach way more people. You don't have to give the show five stars, but it's strongly encouraged. 